How would you feel about me being a fly on the wall of your practice session, Ricky? Three words. <laughs> Not so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, teacher steve actually became a fly on the wall of his own students' practice sessions just to see what exactly was happening each week between lessons. The results were mildly horrifying, leading him to ask three key questions. Where are students going wrong in their practice? How do we practically as teachers help students find a routine that works for them as individuals? And how can we cultivate an attitude of active listening and reflection rather than passive hearing and ploughing on regardless? As a famous composer once said, to listen is an effort and just to hear is no merit. A duck hears also. Who said that? Also why? A very warm welcome to this episode of the Practice Project podcast from Encoder, the world's leading digital sheet music provider. Today, Ricky and I are reviewing another research article to bring you insights that will transform your musical practice, teaching and performance. Thanks, Bethany. And hi, everyone. Yes, in this episode, we're picking apart an article called Teaching Instrumentalists to Practice Effectively, written by Stephen Orr in 2011. And trust me, there's a lot of useful information we can take from this research. Armed with years of experience as a music teacher, the author started with one basic premise. For a musician to practice effectively, they must first know how to practice. He then suggested that the process of practicing music well is made up of several key components, like devising goals and strategies, being able to visualize a good performance, and also being able to determine for yourself how successful a practice session has been. Having identified the key elements of how we can practice effectively, or developed a model that incorporates those different elements and uses several strategies to allow music students to optimise their practice and at the same time learn independently. It's this model for effective, independent practice that we're going to focus on today. But before we dive into Orr's model for how to practice your music effectively, we thought it'd be interesting to give you some context around why he came to write this article. Some of you may remember that in episode 8, we discussed an article by Miranda Wilson about common practice myths, which was inspired by one of her music students who wasn't improving, despite long practice sessions and very little rest in between them. Well, Orr's research was the result of a similar situation. At the time, He was a middle school band teacher in the US who regularly had the same experience as Miranda Wilson. Um, Students telling him that they had been practicing hard, but without their playing in class reflecting that. As a result, Orr had often wondered whether the problem might not be the amount of practice his students were doing, but rather how his students were practicing, and wondered what it would be like to be a fly on the wall watching them practice. So in the end, he decided to become the fly on the wall and to videotape some of his students while they were practicing. At the end of each videotape session, he also got them to talk about how they felt their practice had gone and to explain their decision-making during the session. In his article, Orr wrote specifically about a 13-year-old saxophonist called Nick. Nick started one session by playing scales, which he struggled with, 
making several fingering mistakes on each scale, but apparently ignoring them and not stopping to correct himself at any point. Once he had finished playing the scales incorrectly, Nick then started playing a piece assigned to him the previous day. A cue more fingering mistakes and other technical errors, which Nick ignored again, and an inconsistent rhythm during the piece, which Nick didn't seem to appreciate. Suffice to say, by the end of his 20-minute practice session, Nick had played 17 different exercises and songs without stopping to correct himself once or repeat any section of music that needed further work, of which we can assume there were many. And to make matters worse, a month later, all videotaped Nick practicing again. He played many of the same pieces, once again without correcting any of his technical errors, and it was evident that not much progress had been made during the intervening month of practice. It seems that how Nick practiced was pretty representative of the whole group, which left Steve Orr feeling pretty exasperated. So he set about building a model to develop musicians who could learn and practice independently and assess and regulate their own practice without needing much teacher supervision or input at all. But before we get into the meat of how this model could transform your practice or your students' practice, let's take a short break. Hi, I'm Mike Newman, ENCODA's Institutional Partnerships Director. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Practice Project Podcast. You can make your practice even more effective with an ENCODA subscription. You'll get access to over 110,000 titles from renowned publishers, advanced annotation tools, and much more. So, subscribe today and enhance your musical journey with ENCODA. So having recorded and closely observed how some of his students went about practicing their music, Steve Orr developed a practice model that focused on six key areas. Firstly, structure and supervision. This is definitely not about hovering over students while they practice, but it's about fostering a system that helps students set practice goals, devise practice strategies, and then conduct self-assessments of their own practice sessions. Because practice often takes place at home, or encourages teachers and parents to facilitate this through clear communication. A weekly or monthly practice plan with specific targets, for instance, can be a useful tool. Students have a clear roadmap to follow and are accountable to teachers and parents and to themselves. The second component of Orr's model is called oral imaging. This involves students visualising musical routines before practising them. Think of it as an internal sound check. Yes, you're basically helping students to develop a clear idea of the tone, style, rhythm, melody and harmonic features of the piece they're about to play. Most students need an oral image of music before they can learn to play it well, and the quality of their oral image plays a key role in them meeting their practice goals. One very good strategy for helping with this is to expose your students to recordings and live performances of the music they are learning. Other research has shown this to be a really effective way of developing students' oral imaging skills. The third key element of Orr's model is motivation. He surmised that for many students, the motivation to practice often comes from the outside. So being told by a teacher or parent to practice for a set amount of time each day or for a set number of sessions per week. But as part of his work, Orr found that tapping into a student's intrinsic motivation is crucial the internal desire of a student to achieve a particular sound or technical skill, for example, 
is a much more effective way of motivating learners to practice their music. Which brings us neatly to the fourth component of Orr's model, goal setting. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's worth reiterating. Goal setting is a crucial part of independent practice. Practice is a means to an end and should never feel pointless for a student. Students accomplish more and enjoy practice more when they're working towards specific practice goals rather than, say, just practicing for a quiet amount of time. Steve Waugh believes goal setting and motivation are strongly linked. So as part of his model, teachers should develop robust goal setting methods for their students, then encourage them to set their own practice goals, including any intermediate steps needed to achieve them. This empowers students to learn on their own and be more confident with their practice. The fifth principle of Orr's model is to understand effective practice strategies. This is about knowing how to correct mistakes, uh, perhaps through repetition or slowing down the tempo. Orr is a big advocate of teaching students about the science of how we each learn and retain information in different ways. This enables students to understand and select the best strategies for their own practice, based on their knowledge of their own strengths and weaknesses. Lastly, we have self-assessment, which is also linked closely to oral imaging. Once students have a clearer cognitive image of what a piece sounds like, they can use this as a benchmark for objective self-assessment. And this skill should also be nurtured through guided practice sessions, where groups of students assess themselves and their peers, and by encouraging students to record self-assessment outcomes whenever they practice at home as well. We are conscious that that was a very quick gallop through Steve Orr's model for effective and independent practice. So to recap the key elements. One, build a structure for independent learning. Encourage students to devise their own goals and strategies and then to self-assess. Help them build a roadmap that makes them accountable. Two, encourage students to use oral imaging as an internal soundcheck before practice. Use recordings and live performances to help students visualise their own musical routines. Three, rather than telling your students what they must practice and when, find out what they want to achieve with their music, then motivate them by tapping into their intrinsic goals. Four, goal setting is vital. Teach your students how to set goals, but then empower them to set their own goals, including interim milestones that will keep them motivated. Five, Spend time teaching your students about learning and retaining information so they can choose strategies for practice and error correction that are best suited to them. Lastly, there is self-assessment, which links back to oral imaging. Once students have a clear idea of how a piece should sound, they can use it as a benchmark to assess their own playing. By bringing these six components together, Steve Orr believes that all music teachers can help their students become much more effective and independent learners and performers. Thank you, as always, for tuning into the Practice Project podcast by Encoder. Ricky and I will catch you in the next episode. Until then, practice smart and stay healthy.